You're listening to a Frequency Podcast Network production. There's a simple explanation that you'll get every time you ask why interest rates are so high right now. It's this. The bank, meaning Bank of Canada, needs to get inflation under control. And sure, I mean, that makes sense, especially a while ago when inflation was truly exploding. But in recent months, inflation has cooled and an interesting catch-22 has appeared. One that could spell a lot of trouble for a lot of average Canadians. You see, one of the things now comprising a large part of the inflation regular Canadians are dealing with is housing. Housing inflation shows up in rising rents and rising mortgage payments. Do you know what those are driven by? You guessed it, sky-high interest rates. So as the year began, many economists thought that the Bank of Canada would begin to lower those interest rates, maybe not Wednesday when they left them steady, but perhaps as soon as the spring. The phrase, the worst is over, was used. But what is that worst? Over for who and when? If the bank needs inflation to come back down before it lowers rates, but those high rates are inflating the costs for Canadians who can barely afford to make ends meet, then listen, I'm just a dumbass podcast host, but aren't we playing with fire here? Like, just a little bit? I'm Jordan Heath-Rawlings. This is The Big Story. David McDonald is a senior economist with the Canadian Centre for Policy Alternatives. Hey, David. Thanks so much for having me today. Why don't you start with the basics? Uh, on Wednesday, the Bank of Canada made its newest decision. What is it? Uh, what are the ramifications? There was no change. And so in that regard, uh, there isn't much that's different. Uh, there's no change because much of the environment has remained relatively similar to where it stood in December and October, the last two decisions of the Bank of Canada. So they have stuck at their overnight rate of 5%. What that means for mortgage holders is that sets the baseline rate for uh, variable rate mortgages. Fixed rate mortgages are similar, but slightly different. It's based on Bank of Canada bond rate. But in any event, um, the situation is unchanged. Right. So over the last couple months, we have seen inflation just above 3%. Um, the last month's worth of data, it was a little bit higher. There was a tempest in a teapot over that increase, but that's very much within what the bank was already predicting from its October projections. The bank itself, I mean, it looks at the headline rate, obviously, but it, it, fo- it prefers to focus on some core measures that it has devised. What are those? Yeah, so they have three measures. Uh, they are called the CPI common, the CPI median, and the CPI trim. And they are ways of attempting to get at core inflation and excluding some of the volatility that you would see. The Bank of Canada produces also a core inflation index. It strips out things like food and gas, which tend Mm. to be very volatile, to try to focus on sort of core inflation. Their measures have been coming in slightly higher uh, at uh, the high 3% range over the last couple months. Um, One of the interesting pieces of that is one of the important drivers of inflation now is interest rates. Interest rates are driving inflation in two key areas. One is on mortgage interest costs, and the second one is on rent, because landlords have mortgage payments themselves often. They're going to turn around and try to push those onto tenants, so we're seeing rents go up. 
the general index and the, the Bank of Canada indexes include those measures of, of shelter costs. But the Bank of Canada measures do not include things like gas prices, for instance, or home heating oil, because they consider those more volatile. And those are actually some of the uh, parts of the inflation index that have been going down over the last couple of months huh. and pulling the index down. But the bank doesn't look at them. And so you don't see those show up on the bank side, but you do see them show up on the general side. If the whole point of keeping interest rates high or raising them in the first place was to get inflation under control. And as you point out, those interest rates are now beginning to become drivers of inflation. Why are we still holding here? I mean, <laughs> call, call up Tiff Macklin. They're not talking. <laughs> I know, yeah. I mean, it's interesting. The bank in its update today produced a, a super interesting analysis that says how much of this 3%-ish inflation that we're seeing now is due exclusively to shelter costs, which is to say higher mortgage costs and higher rent, and how much is due to everything else in the index, you know, gas, food, all that stuff. And now it's over half. Over half of the inflation, you know, 1.7% out of three is, is coming from shelter costs. So make it make sense for the group of listeners right now who are staring down, I mean, this is January, uh, they're staring down annual rent hikes or like some of them, uh, myself included, are staring down a mortgage renegotiation this year. And uh, it seems like these things are at cross purposes. The bank is surprised. Uh, not that they should. I mean, you know, this is sort of obvious to regular consumers, but the, you read the write-up and they say, you know, there's a, there has been a surprising increase in, in mortgage interest costs in this rate hiking cycle. Oh, there's, a big, there's a big paragraph on it. I mean, I think that, that, you know, one of the things that economists do is they think inflation is unrelated to prices, which seems kind of ridiculous, but that inflation will always be affected by interest rates in a particular way. When interest rates go up, inflation goes down. That's, that's sort of the, the picture that everyone has. When you live through it, though, it turns out that inflation is made up of a whole variety of goods uh, and services. The prices of some of them may go down as interest rates go up, but some of them are also going to go up as interest rates go up. Mm -hmm. And so usually economists are kind of bored with studying the fact that, you know, if interest rates go up, mortgage interest costs go up, which are part of CPI. That's obvious. And so you don't study that. You just study the other pieces. In the real world, though, that's very important. Yeah. I mean, in reading these these studies, you you don't see that part of the index included. You don't see rent included often when they're looking at, oh, what's the impact of interest rates on, on prices? Hmm. And so we're living through that right now. You know, 50% increase in mortgage interest costs since the start of the rate hiking cycle, 12% increase in rent since the start of the rate hiking cycle. And it's going to get worse. You know, the bank put out a paper just last month that said half of mortgage holders have not yet renewed at these higher rates, and they won't until June of this year. That's when the halfway point is. The mortgage holders were used to paying, on average, about $1,000 a month. By the end of this, they'll be paying fifteen dollars to $2,000 a month, which is 3 to 4% of their income, just going to mortgage payments that's new. Hmm. And I think this is underappreciated by the bank. Obviously, I don't run the bank. But uh, yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a dangerous part of what's happening now is that inflation is staying high in large part because of interest rates, not in spite of them. You mentioned this is, I think, the third or fourth time in a row. They've kept these rates steady. The last time uh, we heard from them, and, and one of the reasons, frankly, we wanted to book you and check in with you today, is people were signaling that this might be around the time the bank would consider finally starting to drop those rates. Was there any hint on that uh, in the announcement today? What do we think about that now as we head towards the spring? Well, certainly reading the press releases, uh, both of the December decision and the decision today, 
seems to suggest that the bank is pretty comfortable with where the economy is in terms of, you know, there were some hints in some of the write-ups that now there is excess supply in the economy. Uh, in the in the December write-up in the press release, they said that there doesn't seem to be excess demand anymore, um, which seems to suggest they're in a position where they think that inflation, or at least the you know the economic drivers of inflation, are, are under control, quote unquote. That being said, I mean the this the main CPI headline number is 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 above three percent. They expect it to continue to to remain above three percent, mm-hmm. and so. 2024 is pretty clearly going to be the year of cuts. The question is, when do they start and how quickly do they proceed? It doesn't seem like there's a real rush to do it quickly. I mean, the one thing that the bank continues to see is that people are getting raises, you know, in real terms, so that the the hourly increase in wages is above the rate of inflation. Hmm. Uh, That's been the case for all of 2023, except January. Uh, In stark contrast to 2021 and 22 where, you know, workers were getting run over by inflation. Uh, But they're clawing their way back. Uh, But the bank doesn't want to see that. They don't want to, you know, I think that's one of the last remaining pieces they would really like to see is higher unemployment and lower wage gains to ensure that that some workers, you know, don't claw their way back from inflation. Um, They think that this is going to drive inflation, even though the biggest drivers right now are, you know, our housing costs. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think that's one of the things they're watching for in, uh, you know, the start of 2024. I know uh, a lot of our conversations consist of me asking you to make things make sense. But as you just pointed out, you know, uh, if if mortgage costs and rent costs are increasing so rapidly because of the high interest rates, and the bank is waiting to see uh, more people lose their jobs or at least not get raises. And again, listen, I am clueless on this stuff, so please help me here. But it feels like we are courting the exact same things we would typically, from an average person's point of view, view as a really disastrous economy for the average Canadian. And I'm wondering, I understand that there's a delicate balance here, but I wonder why we're so eager to like go up to what seems to me at least to be the edge of that. We have to understand what the motivations of the bank are. The bank is not targeting employment. They are not targeting GDP growth. They don't, in the end, care what happens there. They have a singular goal as directed by the government of Canada. You know, the government of Canada owns the Bank of Canada and tells them what to do. And the government of Canada said, look, here's your goal. 2% inflation, come hell or high water. If it takes a recession, make it happen. Now, you know, that's not the type of language that's used, but the bank is not targeting employment and it's not targeting GDP growth. It's not to say that it's immune from those pressures. Right. But that's not, in the end, what its goal is here. And it believes that the route to 2% inflation is the position that it's taking now, which is to say some parts of the inflation index go through the roof so that you have no money to spend on other parts of the inflation index, and therefore, overall, inflation comes down. Hmm. Now, in 2023, we had zero economic growth, zero real economic growth outside of January, which is the economy didn't grow at all. Now, it didn't shrink because the economy shrinks, that's a recession, uh, but didn't grow. Right. We don't have the fourth quarter data in yet. Could very well be that we were actually in a technical recession for the second half of 2023. I mean, we're at zero, so it doesn't take that much to get below zero. You know, in 2024, the projections that the bank is making are even worse hmm. on economic growth, seeing economic growth even weaker in 2024, particularly the first half as compared to to 2023. So you're absolutely right. We are courting a recession. You know, one of the other pieces that I think is underappreciated in the economic world are the lag times. You know, there is this sort of assumption that the bank modifies the interest rate by a quarter of a point and then inflation comes down by a quarter point the next month. 
That's not how it works. Uh, you know, the lag times are in the neighborhood of 18 months to two years. Okay. Um, we've got to remember that the rate hikes, I mean, they started in, in March of 2022, but they really uh, picked up pace in the summer. We're not even two years in. I mean, we'll hit it this summer, but that's really where you hit sort of the peak impact and puts us at, you know, at most risk of impacts on economic growth, impacts in, in unemployment and so on. And so it takes a couple of years for them to, to take effect, but it also takes a couple of years for you to unwind them. Right. And so if things start going badly, you can start dropping rates all you want, but people have already locked in at these higher rates. Uh, and so it takes another two years to unwind and hopefully maybe get back economic growth because people aren't you know, spending all their money on, on mortgage and rent. If the bank starts to see indicators uh, over the next few months, you know, as you mentioned, they're already kind of seeing indicators in terms of how much uh, higher mortgage costs and higher rents are hurting people. Would they still stick towards that soft landing and bring it down gradually? Or might we see, you know, given how close to the edge some people are, more aggressive cuts when they do start eventually? Well, so we're in the soft landing situation right now, and this is worth pointing out. I mean, we have seen some increase in the unemployment rate over 2023, but huge increases in the working population due to immigration. And most of those folks got jobs. Okay. We've seen no economic growth in 2023, but it wasn't negative. You know, insofar as there is a soft landing, we're in it. You know, this is extremely unusual in the Canadian context for us to get inflation down by the amount that the bank wants without a recession. We've never done it before in Canadian history. Hmm. Are we going to do it this time? Well, so far we have. The question is, can we actually deliver on it and not just end up in a recession? Right. You know, at the tail end of last year, the start of this year. I've seen in a couple of places now the indication of, you know, continuing to hold steady uh, economic growth being sort of non-existent, neither positive nor negative, uh, might be a signal that uh, at some point in the next quarter or so, we'll be able to say uh, that the worst is over for both inflation and interest rates. What are your thoughts on that? And how would we know? I think the worst is over in some categories, certainly in inflation and certainly in interest rates. You know, we're well past the worst in inflation, which was in, uh, you know, June of last year. You know, we're in the 3% range now. That's well below where it was. It's likely to continue to get lower, particularly as interest rates fall and allow uh, mortgage and rent costs to come down. We're almost certainly at the peak of interest rates, which is, I guess, we're, we're in the worst, but it's most likely to get better. Uh, how quickly uh, that happens and when it happens, you know, that's not clear, but we're certainly kind of at the worst point, trending towards a better point. Where the worst is probably not over is in job loss and in lower economic growth. Hmm. This year is likely to be worse than last year. How much worse, I don't know. I think what's underappreciated here is how much mortgage holders are paying in mortgage interest cost, how important consumer spending has been historically to economic growth. Mm -hmm. We have relied heavily on ever lower interest rates, people renewing, paying that much less every month in, in mortgage interest, and then spending that money in the economy, driving economic growth. Uh, that led to a massive debt overhang. And that debt overhang is really the chickens are coming home to roost now, you know, 0% interest rates for a long time racks up a lot of debt. Right. And when interest rates go through the roof, now you owe a lot more. You know, for, for mortgage holders, even if interest rates come down, say, a fair amount, you know, one or two points, it doesn't matter. They're still going to renew at much higher uh, mortgage payments than they had originally when they got, you know, their fixed rate five-year mortgage. So mortgage rates are going to keep 
are going to keep going up for people that renew, even if, you know, they're slightly more affordable six months from now than they are today. I will ask you straight up, because I'm sure some listeners are wondering, if you were renewing your mortgage now, you would choose a variable rate, right? Because they're coming down. That's probably what I would do. It does depend on the spread and your own circumstances, but sure. that, you know, that may be it. A lot of people are actually, because of the variability that they've seen in variable rate mortgages over the last couple of years, are actually moving to shorter term fixed rates, hmm. you know, one, two, three years instead of the standard five years, just because they kind of throw their hands up and say, I don't want my mortgage payments changing every month. Uh, and certainly for folks with fixed payments on uh, mortgages, they're going to be in a pretty dire situation, big increases because they're paying their mortgage payments, but their principal goes up every month. It doesn't go down. I mean, this right. is uh, this is the trouble with variable but, but fixed rate mortgages. Last question. When we talk about the worst is over, we mean it uh, in the sense of the general economy and the Bank of Canada's approach to it. You know, when this is all over or when we can say the worst is over from an economic point of view, uh, how much of the affordability chaos that Canadians have been experiencing is likely to stick around for a while? Yeah, I mean, the affordability crisis is going to continue for years to come. It'll just continue at a slower pace. Prices aren't going to go down. Uh, there are some categories where prices are volatile. You know, gas prices are an example of that. Right. Food prices sometimes come down. But when you see big declines in the general inflation rate, it's because very bad things are happening. You don't really want to see a decline in prices because that only really happens in terrible, terrible crises. You know, the, the first couple months of um, uh, COVID, for instance, was an example of that where prices came down. But I mean, you know, the economy was shut down. That's not really what you what you hope for. Right. But I really think that, you know, not only is has affordability gotten a lot worse for people, but people have been, you know, relatively insulated in terms of the income side of things. So their expenditures have gone up, but their incomes have been doing okay. You know, for private sector employees, they've largely clawed their way back in terms of wage gain. Public sector employees remain quite a ways behind uh, where they stood prior to inflation. You know, for the regular Canadian, yeah, their costs have gone up a fair amount, but they've remained employed and wages are, have been going up to some degree. And that that is one of the answers to higher inflation is higher wages. You know, if you can pay for those higher costs with higher wages, then you can make yourself whole in essence again. I'm not sure that that part of it, you know, might not suffer in 2024. You know, economic growth, you know, the labor market's been insulated from that to some degree. Hmm. Uh, the job loss, uh, you know, the higher unemployment rate, uh, that certainly happened, but we haven't really seen it come across in the labor market. And so that's my real concern about 2024 is, yeah, you might see your expenditures go way up. What happens if your revenues fall in 2024? And that's where the rubber really hits the road for regular Canadians. That's the kind of courting disaster that we were talking about earlier. Yeah, and this is the courting of disaster of not only are your sort of costs on food and gas going up, but you have to renew your mortgage and you lose your job. And that's a very dangerous situation. And, you know, a lot of these threads are going to come together in the first half of 2024. People renewing those mortgages, potential push of this zero economic growth into the job market. At the same time as prices continue to remain high, they, they're going to continue to get higher, in fact, uh, but just at a slightly slower pace. I mean, that really puts the squeeze on the Canadian consumer that has really been the mainstay of economic growth over the last decade. David, thank you so much for this. Uh, as always, uh, feel so much more confident understanding the latest economic data now. Well, thanks so much for having me. David McDonald of the Canadian Centre for Policy Alternatives. That was the big story for more, including previous examinations of the economic tangle that we are in. 
you can head to thebigstorypodcast.ca. For questions about the economy or about anything else, you can write to us at hello at thebigstorypodcast.ca. Or you can call us and leave a message, 416-935-5935. Remember, we also produce a little show called In This Economy, so if you have a specific question about a problem you're facing because of everything that we just talked about, please hit us up with that too. It's always great when we can explore these issues while helping people. The Big Story and This Economy, for that matter, are available in every single podcast player, and you can ask for them by telling your smart speaker to play The Big Story or play In This Economy. Thanks for listening. I'm Jordan Heath-Rawlings. We'll talk tomorrow.